all he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. This is a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rod Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb, went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind it right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football, episode 12, The Boys from Orchard Park, The Outsiders, with myself, Dale Wolfley, Wolfman, and of course, eldest brother there with his Syracuse outfit. You got Derry, or slash Craig, we'll go backwards, yeah, there you are, and of course, you got Roddy Paul, slash Pony Boy. How are we doing today there, Derry? How are you? Doing fine. I thought this was episode 11, but you know, I flunked math twice, so I don't know who knows. And once again, you are wrong and you are correct because <laughs> you did flunk, so that's good. How about you, Pony Boy? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Put on five pounds over Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's what the redo should be. Did you want to take it back? Would be not eating so much, maybe not looking like all pro commando at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the oh, cheeks are a little full. He doesn't have a six pack. It's now a full on keg. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we've already kicked this off well, so we're going to have to go ahead and start this off. And this is a do over. This is not so bad, but it, I have to make this point because I actually believe the same thing, Derry, that you believe. So do you want to do over or do you want to stand put with what you said? I'm just going to add, I got to stand put. I'm moving. All right, here we go. Right now. Okay. I told Faith, I said, you. I'm going to eat so much turkey and be so tripped to fan out, you might have to Narcan me, okay, <laughs> to bring me back. I'm going to be out on the couch tomorrow, baby. Okay. It's not that you weren't out on the couch, but turkey tryptophan myth. And that is turkey is often blamed for that sleepy feeling after Thanksgiving dinner. But the real reason is because you're eating a lot of food, especially <laughs> carbohydrates, causing glucose levels to spike and then crash. Exactly, which I found out too. And I was I was a little miffed to not to learn that the tryptophan was not the culprit anymore. It's like the half a pie or full pie that you eat afterwards. And baby, I did it too, man. I was crushing the pumpkin pie. I think it's all part of a conspiracy. That's all it is right there, honestly. These guys want to come out and say, you know, it's not the tryptophan in the turkey. It isn't, even though we all know it is. So I am the grassy knoll. You know that. I'm not going to listen to any of these conspiratorialists that are out there. Have you been to Dealey Plaza? Did you actually do that? I've been to Dealey Plaza. Dealey Plaza, where JFK was assassinated. I've been to the grassy knoll. You have? You've actually seen it? Oh, I walked it. I walked the whole thing, man. 
we stood on we the grass and there. Oh, we were down there filming for the you know the Super Bowl was it forty five with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and we were we were right there in Dallas. We went to the Six Four Museum where they still have the the, the whole sniper's nest still laid nice. out there. Yeah. I stood on an X on the road where one of the the shots uh, hit hit uh, JFK. I mean, it's so just unbelievable. Are you buying what the government was selling? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I interviewed on a podcast General Michael Hayden, who's a big Steelers fan, who was in charge of the CIA, and that you know, of course. I, and so I'm, I'm I'm interviewing him, and he and I look at him and go, first question I got to ask you, was there a shooter on the grassy knoll? He goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I went, no, it can't be. You know, it's amazing, man. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Really interesting, really interesting. How you could go from tryptophan to JFK. And walking in Dealey Plaza. Just so you know, that, that takes a stretch. Takes this, a stretch. And this, this, this is what a fine Syracuse education does with half a dozen or so concussions. <laughs> All you know. right. Okay. Well, good. Especially so, when you smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We actually haven't heard a toothless joke in two shows. I got it. But you're still down, Pony Boy. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And happy Thanksgiving to you and 20 great years. And we have it all again today. We have turkey legs, we have turkey, we have turducken, and we have the biggest thing, the, the tradition of Thanksgiving and football. Some things just go together greatly. They sure do it. You know, honestly, John Madden, Thanksgiving, you know, he talked about, you know, the food, the football. And it's just it's just pretty amazing. Uh, you know, Pony Boy, start out with uh, your thoughts about John Madden, because I know you got a few. Yeah, you know, um, he started it all for color analysts. Um, he really did. Uh, before that, before John Madden, I would venture to say that the play-by-play man was the guy that was the show. He was the show, and then you just had a guy that was there to – you know, talk about the technicalities of the game, of course. John Madden changed everything. He really, really did and really paved the way for so many so many broadcasters like myself and, and like Craig as well, I think, that are a little on the gregarious side of doing broadcasts and letting your personality really come out and really show um, during a broadcast, he's the guy who started it all. If you ask me, there oh, absolutely, the bang, the zoom. But you know, I was also influenced by another guy, Myron Cope, of course, who was the great Myron Cope, who was, you know, he was like a skinny, uh, skinny John Madden. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, he was, he was that way too. But Madden really yeah. changed the template. He was, he made football fun in a way that. The common person, the you know, they, they just like to watch the game, could understand some of the intricacies because he just kind of, you know, he, he just described it in a way that was so much fun to listen yep. to and, and to watch. Yeah, you know, that's, that's so true. And, and what I want to say is, you know, you got the boom from John Madden. You know, I like to say the boom, and, you know, he's got – he had the boom in there. But here's the greatest thing I loved about John Madden in my memory, and, and that is that when Kathy and I first had our first child – Stone, obviously, you know, that's your nephew, if you don't remember. Yes. Uh, okay. But it took, not bad. Come on. Come on. Three months it took for us to go out to actually go to a social gathering, a party of friends. And, of course, Pony Boy says, hey, I'll babysit for you. 
<laughs> they were like, what do you mean babysitting? And if you remember that uh, picture of you and the, the lung darts and the earring and all that, uh, that was at that time. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, we're going to let, we're going to let uh pony boy go ahead and babysit. So we go to the party. They're like, well, you know, where, where's your son? I said, well, he's back to being babysitting. I said, the funny thing is, uh, is my brother Ronnie, you know, pony boy. I said, is my babysitter, John Madden described him as the craziest dude he's ever seen on the football field. That's my babysitter. And I was the hit of the party. (laughs) My brother was the all Madden team. Craziest dude John Madden saw. And the babysitter. (laughs) That's good, Soda Pop. I do remember that. Of course, babysitting Stone Bond. No doubt about it. I don't know if my eyes were on him as much as anybody else, but I do remember <laughs> that. And it was one of the one of the better moments of being an uncle, let me say. Yeah, I'm sure, man, because he, he sure did like to pile in that diaper. Uh just for you, brother. Yeah, we're gonna go with this. And this is something going back to Orchard Park in our days growing up. And Last couple of weeks, you know, the Bills had to go to Detroit with the Lions. They had to travel there because the snow was too great, over five feet in one snow setting. And they had what they call thunder snow. Okay, Derry, you're the oldest. Let's go back to some memories of 45 Hudson Road, Orchard Park. I, I have a feeling I know where you got to go, but go ahead. Start us off. Oh, I mean, you, I, you just remember the, the times that we were just buried in the house. You know, the house was, we all remember, was not that big, you know. And then you got the five of us and great googly moogly. You know, I mean, it was like everybody, you'd start getting irritated just by somebody breathing in the same room, you know because you're around each other so much. But I remember Dad one time tunneling, fr- tunneling now, mind you, from the house to the road when, it, when the snowplows finally came through, then walked behind the snowplow about a half a mile to the, uh, the you know, the, the intersection where there was a little store to get bread and milk and, and coffee. You know what I mean? And then coming back. But he actually tunneled from the house to the road. It was absolutely bizarre. But I mean, that was life in Buffalo back then when we were getting the big snowstorms. Do you guys remember the blizzard of 77? I mean, I know that you do. Oh, the yeah. Blizzard of 77. Unbelievable. Um, what happened up there just a couple of weeks ago, of course, to me at least, was very, very reminiscent of that, where they had 77 inches of snow in right. some places fall in a 24-hour period. Guys, I mean, that is exactly what happened with the blizzard of 77, which shut down the city, which I know you remember, for almost two and a half weeks. Incredible. That was incredible. I remember there was a buddy of mine who had a picture of him uh, leaning up against the uh, – he was he had ridden his snowmobile. He was on a, on a big snow drift, and he was leaning on the top of a basketball backboard with his elbow. I mean, it was unbelievable. It, that snow, that mound was so high. And all I remember was, because you know what? I was in Syracuse at that time, and I was so grateful that I was in Syracuse. I wasn't there during the, 
the blizzard of 77. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is I can remember all the storms that I've had to go through, just so many. But the, the one that I remember most is when right after the storm, they had plowed all the streets. And if you remember on the streets, they would, the plow would go, and it will be 8 feet, 10 feet high besides right. the streets. You just had nowhere to go because the snow just kept coming. And Joe Paterno came over for my recruiting trip for my visit home. And he parked right behind the, the the driveway. And, of course, you know, he got locked there because somebody smashed into his car. But our coach, our coach who had a high school coach who had uh, his back brace on because he just had uh, back surgery. No. He always parked in the driveway and, bam, right into the back of Joe Pop. So I remember that very special, the snow and uh, the, the eight-foot drifts, the ten-foot drifts, uh, and Joe Pop getting locked in because he couldn't get in the car door. Yeah, I don't – you know, what? you're forgetting one point of that as well, too. Joe Pa, of course, and the coach he was with when they backed out, backed into our mailbox. <laughs> and crushed it. Interesting because Joe Pa was just moments earlier sitting in our living room telling Hoopy just how awesome our sticky buns were. <laughs> yeah, there he was backing into our mailbox. See you later, Joe Pa. Wham. <laughs> right. Hey, and Derry, do you remember that Pony says that other coach was a scrapper, Tom Bradley? Tom Bradley, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I love Tomo. You know, he's a great friend of mine. That Scrap Bradley, he's, a, he's the brother, of course, of Jim Bradley, who's the one of the team doctors, one of the surgeons for the Steelers. But, I, you know, I see him around – you know, it's just it's great fun. As as he always says, he always said Dale was the talent in the family. <laughs> yeah. yep. And obviously his brothers are the brains. <laughs> uh, regardless, uh, he was at Penn State for about 35 to 40 years, man, as assistant coach. He's a great man. Yeah, great guy. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, let's go ahead and let's go to more great coaches. And I think you're going to like this. For a loss. And I walk on the plane, I look at the, and a lot of times the coaches will be there, you know, on their computer and everything. And I'm like, you know, fellas, the reason why we got beat is because we can't tackle and we can't force the run. Like all the rest of this is a bunch of garbage. This isn't about a computer, you know, you know, get into some space world technology. This we can't tackle. You know, Derry, I, I just saw that, and it was two of the guys that are most successful, one in the college world and one in the NFL, and it's the truth. It's simplicity. It's oh, yeah. it's fundamentals that are just fundamentals that I don't think that a lot of coaches know how to even coach it anymore. Go ahead. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. I mean, you've got, of course, the issue with you want to have, uh, you know, safety in football as best you can. But, you know, uh, you, you're going to bang your head some, you know, and that's part of, the, part of the process of football. I remember way back in seventh grade learning the basics, the fundamentals of football, of blocking, of moving your feet, of rolling over that front foot, you know, rip to rack with your fist, put your forehead and the chin of the man over you, and then move him back against his will. And th- that was always the most exciting and fun part for me was the, the physical challenge of doing that and doing it over and over and over again, because the, the battle would just ensue the entire day. You know I mean? There's, I remember one time playing up, up in Syracuse, we're playing Navy 
and I got locked up with a defensive tackle. And you know how it is when you you got two guys just going, and you're waiting for that tipping point as the back goes by. He reaches for the back, and that's all I need at that point. And we go, yeah, we're going over. And I hear the guy go, this is going to look horrible on film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who does that? Who, I wish I could meet that guy again. He was the funniest guy playing against him. But again, it's the basics, the blocking, the tackling, what have you. Yeah, you know what, actually, to follow up on that right there, it's interesting that you've got Bill Belichick, who is actually commenting on this right here, because I know for a fact what a believer he is in those two things right there, blocking and tackling. The fundamental components of the game of football. And guys, it's funny because I know as here we are in the year 2022, um, I, I know that uh, a lot of people, they're blending the the spread, of course, with the old. And that's what's going on in the NFL right now. There's a clash of the new mentality and the old mentality that's going on. I think the more things change, the more they stay the same in the game of football. It is still about the line of scrimmage. I honestly believe that. I think the new age offense has taken our eyes and our thoughts off the line of scrimmage. I think it's it's removed our eyes to the perimeter, to the wide receiver, to the tight end, to the quarterback and the running back, of course, the skilled positions. And I think we forgot about the line of scrimmage. And it's one of the reasons why I say that the more things change, the more they stay the same is because of the Georgias of the world, the number one team in the country right now. It's because of what they have on the line of scrimmage, on both sides of the ball, if you ask me. They control the line of scrimmage, and that's why their skill can do what their skill does. It's kind of like what's going on in the game of football, too. You look at the turnaround of the San Francisco 49ers. It's on the line of scrimmage that they're beating people. Their front seven, you can't run against their front seven. You're running into a wall, so they get you into third and obvious pass situations and then come after you. It's just, I am convinced the more things change in the game of football, the more they stay the same. And I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. Kind of like what you have heard before, just kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Because I think you get too caught up, too much of – you know, what's the analytics of this, the analytics of that? And analytics, I think, has a, a place, uh, obviously. Totally. Your gut feelings have a, a place. And the thing that I cannot take take is the lack of fundamentals in both that tackling and blocking that is being coached in today's game. Matter of fact, I watched the West Virginia-Oklahoma State game this last Saturday. I could not believe how either team looked like they did not want to win on defense. They had the gap integrity was lacking in all areas, especially when you have a freshman running back go for 250-plus yard runs for touchdowns in a matter of one minute. And it's just there's there's not that tackling there, and they're, they don't bring their feet with them. They're not got their head up. They're just all over the place. They don't know the angles to come in on pursuing. It really, to me, was just uh, – and it's not just West Virginia, Oklahoma State. I see it all over college football. And what I will say is this. I don't see that at Michigan. I don't see that with Jim Harbaugh. And I agree with you with Georgia. 
but Ohio State just took a shellacking because somebody just went old school on them. And I'll continue with that, and that's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to stick with it. I like it, Soda. (laughs) I just went old school there. Think about it. The the fundamentals of the game are are not changing. You know, it's still about the ability to move people. And the interesting thing is, is you get this sort of hybrid mix of now you've got the players that once were safeties. Now they're playing linebackers. You've got linebackers on the, on the outside that are, are, are they're like um, stuffed turkey balls of, uh, you know, linebackers playing defensive end. You know I mean? It's, 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 it, the game is built around speed now, but if you get five guys who are very close, five guys who stick together, five guys who really can form a fist and come off and, 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 lay a lick on somebody you can win the game man you can go right at them and it's just so what you were talking about Ronnie what you were talking about Dale I still appreciate the fundamentals of the game that's what was so exciting you know since I've retired since you've retired Ronnie we've had probably close to 100 rule changes in the NFL you know in the same time the British Premier League they didn't have any rule changes you know, leave the game alone. The game is just, it's a great game. It's a wonderful game. I just wish they'd stop with all the modifying of the rules and kind of get back to some of the old school stuff that really made me love it. You know, coming, all of us, coming from a small brethren church, you know, where it's turned the other cheek. And we had yayas, all three of us boys, <laughs> you know. And it comes to the point, you don't want to turn the cheek, man. <laughs> you know, you, you want to have at it. And and that's what football was that sort of you know outlet for us. Yeah, that was the great thing about it. Right, Soda Pop? Yeah. I mean, that was the great thing about it, is you could walk in between those white lines and act like an unmitigated savage. And it was okay. Yeah. Because once you walked outside those lines, of course, man, you know, I've said this before, but it's the truth. You you, you could love people, respect people, right. and treat them better than yourself, just the way the Lord God wants us to do. Right. But man, once you walked inside those white lines, it was like, here we go. You ready to go? It was a little bit of a release from church. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along. Yes, uh, yes it was. Yeah. Let's get to uh, uh, Mav Man here. You know, I put this on here because – when I was a head coach at Phoenix College, I used to tell my guys so much about, hey, you know what? There's so much football out there, Division Three, Division Two, NAIA, Division uh, One, G5, FCS, wherever somebody wants you to go, because it was a junior college at Phoenix College, wherever somebody wants you to go and, and pay for you an education, use it, and you'll be the big fish in a little pond if you make it to Division One. It's wonderful, good, good for you. But in all those areas, you can get your education paid for and still play the game you love. And and Maverick is the case here where this weekend he's going on to round three and he has to go ahead and he's got to beat Wingate to go ahead. He's to the quarterfinals. I mean, there's a guy, Maverick, he played Division One, and Unfortunately, in Akron, they lost like they were 0-21 or something. And he's like, Dad, I just want to go and play for someone that wins. Well, he goes to West Florida. There's been two national championships in seven years, and they're they're battling in here. So I just want to say this, and I want you guys to say about how much football is so important. It doesn't matter what level you play if you love the game. Yeah, so to pop, I I can just jump in here and just say right now, I, I – 
I tell kids all the time, I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of the kids and I tell kids all the time, listen, the, the main goal for you should be to do whatever you can to get somebody else to pay for your college. What a huge deal that is. I, I remember back, Craig, when you were being recruited by all these colleges that were coming in when, when you were 18 years old and I was 13 years old and I was just like blown away. I was blown away by the fact that, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me somebody is, is sitting in our living room right now and they're recruiting Craig because they, wanna, they want Craig to come play football for them and they're going to go ahead and pay for everything, room, board, books, his, he, I, you know, I, it blew Food. my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind, Craig, because, you know, we were, we were a family of seven people, five kids, of course, our mom and dad. Our dad was a trucker, and um, I'm so proud of the fact that dad was a truck driver, yet at the same time, we grew up on a dead-end street that emptied into a gravel pit, and we were – uh, we didn't have a lot of money. Let's put it that way. We did not have an awful lot of money. And the thought of football could actually pay for your education to go to college. That just blew my mind. And then I remembered, Craig, the way you would work out when you were 13 years old and it was freezing outside and you were out in the garage working out with weights, right? When you were 13. And right. I, I started working out the way you started. To work out, and um, you know what's really funny about that too. Now that you break, because we had in in our garage, it was an unheated garage, yeah, in New York, and we were just talking about the winters, and it was very cold, and it took a lot on some days to get out there because your skin would stick to the the bar, and then you got to wear gloves <laughs> and everything. But I remember one time, you know what? I'm out there, I'm going, forget this, man. It's too cold. It's just too cold, right? And I like. I come, I go into the, to the kitchen door, you know, I go, I start turning the, the, the handle and, and it's locked. I'm like, well, what's up? I get pound on the door. Hey, Hoopy, you know, mom. Hey, mom, I, I want to know you finish your workout. Well, okay, I'm finished. You haven't been out there long enough to finish it, right? She's got me, right? I'm pinned in the, in the, in the, in the garage. So finally, I, I, I plead, I got to, got to come up with something, sympathy. Mom, I'm dying of thirst. I need something. And all of a sudden, I hear this boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, click. And then a hand comes out with a glass of water. <laughs> and then quickly, the door closes. And I'm stuck, stuck there with a glass of water, freezing my keister off. But I finished my workout. You finished your workout. You got a four-year scholarship. And you yep. played 12 years in the NFL because Hoopy stuck that glass of water out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a little bit of hard love is a a good thing. Uh, that That's really good stuff. And, and you know, I, I don't have anything else to say. I just want to say is that Maverick right now is an opportunity to advance and move on. His education's all been paid for, just like my other boys that they use. And I, I just love the game of football and what it's done. Because reality is this. Dirty Pony, myself, my family has all and still does rely on the game of football. Don't tell me it's a game because it's a living for us. It's a way of life is what it is. You know, I mean, I look at Mav. Mavi is just, what a terrific athlete the young man is, first of all. Great kid. And then, yeah, just an absolute stud and a, and a super fine young man. Love the kid. 
I am crazy, you know, and watch his dedication. He sends me his lifting videos, you know, and he's, you know, I'm like checking it out and everything. Okay. Go a little deeper, not cut that a little bit less, you know, bench with the elbows, not so flared or whatever, you know, but I mean, I love it. Cause he, you know, he's, he, he wants to, whatever advice he can get, he's that hungry. And I love that about him. And I love the fact that he wanted to go somewhere where he had an opportunity to win. I can understand the frustration. Uh, I went to Syracuse. We had some rough years, but we were able to finish up and went to a bowl my senior year, the Independence Bowl down in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah. You know, that made the, the previous three years all worthwhile because I was with the guys and we were down there together and, and we won, you know, and it was just it was just a tremendous moment of accomplishment and resurrecting some of the fortunes of Syracuse football. You know, I remember, too, it was the General Omar Bradley. They rolled out in a wheelchair. They did. It was the uh, Independence Bowl, if I remember right. World War II, Independence Bowl, yep. And what an honor that was. I remember that. How young was I? That's pretty, oh, that's pretty wild. Absolutely. Now, think about this also. The, one, of the, one of the big features of the, of the Independence Bowl was the San Diego chicken. <laughs> where, where is he now? <laughs> the chicken's gone. I love your experience, of course, at Syracuse University, Craig. I wish I could say that I had the same experience as you did, but I went to four bowls and our team our team finished top right. 25 all four years. What can I say, man? You were in the right place, buddy. Yeah, but he did play one more year in the NFL than you. Well, he played two more, actually. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Who's counting? This, this I remember from, from West Virginia. We rolled in there. We played in the old stadium. You remember the rock pile? That You know, not not the, oh, uh, the new oh, nice yeah. stadium they got now. But what yes. I remember was we were parked outside after we finished our workout on Friday, the day before the game. We're in the bus, and all these yo- local yokels come out of this one bar that's across the street, and you want to talk about trouble starting to brew. <laughs> We got some West Virginia nights coming out from a little little saucification there in one of the uh, the Hooskow, you know, one of the little, little joints there, and uh, we got some riled up football players about to clash, and they had to. Had, there was a, a took a little cooling off period. Had to get that thing mitigated. Yeah, they had the flat boots on, and the flat yeah. boots means they were miners, if you know what I mean. Coal miners. I know exactly. That's yeah, why you know what. It, it was appropriate that, that things were averted. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just go. It's funny, though, that you call that a rock pile when you come from old Archibald Stadium. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. From we rock pile to rock pile. Exactly. That's the good thing about it. And from that rock pile to the new rock pile what we have with the XFL, I was able, and this is a little bit of self-pumping here, but on the Wolfman's call, my other show, I was able to interview Anthony Beck, who is now the head coach for the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. And here's the question that I asked him uh, regarding a situation as a head coach and how would you coach this? I want to hear what you guys, Dirty, I'll let you start it. Fourth and inches. Will you go from the shotgun or you put your quarterback under center? <laughs> we'll, we'll be under center. That, that's not going to happen. Uh, I cringe. I cringe. Okay, Absolutely. so fourth inches. Are you shotgun there, Derry, or are you putting the quarterback under center and getting four to five inches? We get under center. We go forward. And I'm telling my hogs, you guys, V in. Make sure your, your pad level is lower than their pad level. If they get underneath you, cross-face them, turn their head, 
and then marinate their ribs with your knees. Okay, <laughs> that's how you do it, old school style. Okay, and you get that four or five inches, and hopefully you get maybe a foot, maybe two feet, maybe a yard. But you're going to get it. You get it under center, and you just tap and go. Here's one of the best things. Um, uh, one of the best things I've seen. Uh, in the modern era is the Philadelphia Eagles. Have you seen them when they go for yes. it on fourth down? They put Jalen Hurts under center and literally have three guys right behind them. They run up to the ball and then they snap it immediately on a quick count, right? And boom, they quarterback sneak him and the guys behind him are pushing him in the back. It is it is the most effective short yardage situation that I've seen in a long, long time. Kudos to the Philadelphia Eagles for rethinking the obvious. That's a great point. Rethinking that I need three to five inches, and I'm going to go five yards deep in the snap right. so that we can penetrate. I have time, a defensive lineman or backer, safety, whatever it may be, can penetrate and stop you. I just don't get it. I- Agreed. Okay. No, I agreed with that. Again, old school had it down best. You know, there's two things in the NFL that I, I just I, I love. One is when the quarterback sneaks because that's simple. Boom. And the other is when you take a knee at the end when you got the game, baby. That's all there. And the old days too. Uh, by the way, you know when you you got the you know the, the the formation, you quarterback gets back there. Back in the day, it was no gimme that the the boys on the other side were, weren't going to come. You know what I mean? Yeah, now, right. You see it. Everybody practically takes a knee. Back in my day, back in your day, back in your day, all you know, it was like if you knew somebody on the other team, like, are you coming? <laughs> because you just buckle it up because you know they're, they're going to come in and try to how it's just crush you. You know, hey. and you got to come out and you got to fire out and make sure that nobody penetrates. Yeah, you know what, guys? As I think it ought to be. Seriously. Yeah. This is the great thing about the game of football. I ask no quarter, and I, I give no me. quarter. I mean, you know, not while you're out on the field. Again, you ask no quarter, you give no quarter. That was the great thing about it, being out on the field. You could tap into that. Here, let's see uh, Vita Vea, the defensive uh, uh, lineman for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's huge and he's big, and he's running a tech stunt. And just go ahead, check it out. I, I love it. You can see him. He's coming off. He's taking up two offensive linemen, allowing for the defense end to come around. You all know it. Even Pony with you as a fullback, you've seen that how many times? A million times. It's just a simple tackle first and second stunt. But if you do it the right way, as big man does it here, there's so many things. Who are your guys? And Pony, you you already talked about the fridge last week. I'm not talking about the fridge, but who are you guys would give you the most problems with those stunts? Because that's hard, man. Because you got to stop that guy initially, the first guy. You have to stop him so that your buddy here doesn't get railroaded like he Vita Vea just did to him. Well, the funny thing about it was I was just talking to a guy that used to run that stunt all the time. It was Marty Lyons, great lineman with the New York Jets, Alabama product, six five. 300 pounds, and he was just in town when the Jets and Steelers were playing. And it was funny because we were just reliving the last game, Terry Bradshaw's last game at Shea Stadium. And what a, you know, what a, what an epic battle we had because neither of us, you know, would give an inch, you know, and, and it was just a battle all day. And how much you enjoy that then to come back and see the guys that you played against years ago and be able to kind of 
you know, go back and reminisce about it. It's, it's, it's fun and it's enjoyable, but Marty Lyons was one of those guys. He would, he had a great bull rush. He also had a really good swim to the outside and he'd get, he'd get to, to the inside of the tackle. But the one I remember was that we're playing the Browns and they ran the reverse of that. They ran an ET where the end would crash first and then the tackle would come around. Now I'm telling you, I watched film all week long and I knew this dude was coming. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but he would go up the field and he'd make a hard left to try to blindside you. And your tackle had to jump him to keep him from blindsiding you. Right. But I was, I was, I was hip to this game because here's the thing. When he came straight up and he started to shake, I knew that that, that that game was coming. When he came straight in a bull rush, it wasn't coming. He, it only happened when he would head fake, right? He tried to get your you know attention and everything. So so the whole first half, we're playing him, right? And I am ready for this. Every every obvious passing situation, I'm waiting for this. The banging me game is what we called it, right? The whole first half, first third down in this third quarter, all right? I set up to, to pass protect, and this – this dude shakes over me. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he shakes over me, right? And I know it's coming. I turn and I see the dude coming, and I like speared him head first right in the groin. <laughs> I drill him right, and he goes down. And I, I'm like, I'm standing over. I'm jumped up. I'm going. I've been waiting for you the whole entire game. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> It was, it was like so funny, man. It was just like he's the, the poor guy. It was it was a bummer for him, but you know it, it didn't always end good for me either. Let me tell you. But the, the, that point I'll never forget was just like I've been waiting for you this whole game, man, and now I got gotcha. you. Are, are you saying, Craig, that he suffered a testicular fracture? Is that what you're saying? I ain't saying nothing. All I know was it was it was painful. You know, uh, and like I said, I've had my own share of uh, where those went wrong. <laughs> well, one thing that we have verified in this whole program time and time again is nobody wears a cup. Yeah, right. <laughs> nobody. Yes. Going back to our previous shows, previous yes. watchers will understand what we're talking about. I was acting on quality control, okay? I was just checking to make sure that we, you know. We have what we had called as the, the uniform Nazis, right? Hey, they, <laughs> Check. They say, gird up thy loins, not cover up thy loins, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. And that brings me to this next point because, you know, losing your mind is something that can happen in the game, especially if you get hit or just caught up in the emotion. And last week, against with Seattle, uh, uh, Seattle going against the – the Vegas Raiders, there was an interception by Quandre Diggs, and Daryl Taylor, the linebacker, let's see, he runs off the sideline, and he comes out and he tries to get away and blocks. And the funny thing is, is that nobody noticed this. Okay, not the ref, no, nobody noticed this. And so my thing is this, you make the call. You guys are broadcasters. You know, I'm going to start with you. How are you calling this if you saw it? First of all, if you saw it, because nobody caught this till after the game. Well, you know, once again, if I saw it, uh, it's 12 men onto the field, throw the flag. You know, I mean, I'd be saying that. Somebody ran from the sidelines onto the field. First of all, guys, let's just talk about, I, I've never seen anything like this, ever. I've been around the game for a long, long time. 
in, in different capacities. But I have never seen anything like this where somebody runs from the sideline onto the field. You have to ask the question, young man, what's wrong? <laughs> what, what are you doing? Um, that's bizarre. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen that either, you know. I have been the one guy short that should have been on the field. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if, if you remember in Syracuse when I was a freshman, I got moved, you know, I started at offensive tackle, and then I moved up to first team on the extra point field goal, and I kind of forgot and came off the field, and uh so when they started screaming for me and I all of a sudden realized I ran by and I ran by Frank Maloney, the head coach, and he kicked me right in the keister. And I remember dad afterwards, he goes, what did he kick you for? I go, well, I kind of forgot I was supposed to be out there. And he goes, oh, he should have kicked you harder. <laughs> if I could add to the story, because I was on the sideline with you. That's right. You were. I can't, and I, I remember, I think you were looking at the cheerleaders. No, no, that's complete <laughs> rumor. Complete rumor. I think you're like, oh, Stop it. you're in trouble out there in the field. And hey. then you realize it was you. By the way, to any young men that are out there right now listening to this, never, never look at the cheerleaders. No, okay. No. Don't, well, don't look at the cheerleaders when you're trying to play the game of football. Okay. That's we call weird. it the blood sport for a reason. You don't want to be thinking of anything soft and beautiful. You want to think of hard and ugly. Okay. You got it. Stick with it. There you go. Words to live by. Okay, and words to live by. We're going to go here, and we're actually going to go to the Steelers, and this is your highlight call there, Derry, and uh, it's a pretty good one with Najee Harris. Off tackle right to Najee Harris. Now, this is one of these bang, bouncer, bend, we've got to do something with. And he started to bang it. Well, then he banged it, then he bounced it. Got to the outside. He did a terrific job of gaining the outside leverage on the defense and then running with power upfield. You, you've talked for the last few shows here, and I'm sure on your radio show that you do, as you've been talking about the Steelers establishing the run, and it sure seems like they've been picking it up. They really have over the last several weeks now. They've been doing a great job of putting the running game together, and it was really highlighted in this last game here where they rushed for 172 yards. Um, That was a terrific job. It was a running back by committee. You know, had a number of people uh, jumping in there. Um, Najee got hurt uh, at, I think, about halftime or so, but Benny Snell came on. Very productive runner, really. One of the things I really salute um, Benny about in, in this game was the fact that he hadn't had a carry all season long. In his first two years, he had had over 100 carries, so he was a contributor in the backfield. Uh, then as his total dropped in his third year, his fourth year he comes in. He's re- remade himself, much like Ronnie, you know, a fullback, a spec core four special teamer, but he got the opportunity to carry the mail. 12 carries, 62 yards against the Colts. He answered the bell, and what was I was so impressed about him is that he hadn't had a snap all season long, right? I mean, we're, we're in week 12. You know, hadn't had a snap all. And he comes along and does a great job. It's about being a pro, being ready. When you're called on, you answer the bell, and you do it, and you do it right. Man, he did it right. Hey, you know, that, that's good. Hey, Pony, talk briefly then about being ready when it's your turn to be called up. Yeah, you know, it just it's it's a constant state of being a professional as far as I'm concerned. You train all week long. You train all week long just like you are going to be the starter. You hear guys say that all the time. 
But that is the only way to do it. The only way is to act as if you are going to be the starter because you are one play away. You have to be ready. And that's a mindset. And that's something you've got to train yourself to do throughout the entire work, the entire week. It doesn't start on Wednesday. It doesn't stop on Thursday. It's it's the entire week that you've got to prepare your mind for when you might be called upon. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it's the only thing to do. Let me just jump in and point out what you're, you're saying is so true because think about it. It's so easy to get down. Yeah. I can't, I haven't contributed. I'm not contributing. I won't have a chance. You know, it's not like, well, for two weeks, three weeks, we're talking about 10, 11, 12 weeks, right? And all of a sudden you're called on. You got to be ready. You better be ready. You know, it's like, it's like my line coach at, at Syracuse once said, you know, sometimes fellas, he said, the train only comes around once. When it comes around, you better be ready for that opportunity. The truth. Exclamation point to that. Well, let's let's get going here. And Pony Boy, uh, Cards had a tough day. And this call pretty much sums it up of why the Cards had it. Because I think they got a little snake bit. Oh, baby. Big Red with a big play on defense. The ball was tipped at the line by Zach Allen. Added the ball into the air. Started wobbling like a duck. And Zayvon Collins came down with it. What a huge play by Big Red. Yeah, by the way, that was an excellent call. And unfortunately, they reviewed it and it wasn't an interception. But that was just the way the whole game went because the Cardinals should have won. Yeah, you know what, honestly, um, the Cardinals, they played probably their best game in all three phases um, for three quarters. The defense gave up 17 points until the very last possession of the game for the Chargers. Think about that. They did a great job limiting the Chargers to 17 points, and then suddenly the Chargers took the ball, went down the field, the last possession of the game for them, scored a touchdown, went for two, and actually converted the two-point conversion. Um, very difficult to see the defense play that well and then give it up at the end. But it was the same way with the offense as well, guys. The offense played extremely well through three quarters. They had 181 yards rushing. They were 54%. On third down, they were doing a great job moving the ball. They were 100% in the red zone in terms of red zone possessions, converting into touchdowns. They were doing a great job. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter rolled around in their last four possessions. Last four, they had 11 plays for 16 yards. Their last four, they went three and out. They had a 24-17 lead. They went three and out. They still had a 24-17 lead. They went three and out, and they still had a 24-17 lead and went three and out. And it was those three consecutive three and outs to end the game, basically, that really put them behind the eight ball. And it's the reason why they ended up losing the game. The offense, when it mattered most in the fourth quarter, disappeared. And that is pretty much summed up the entire season for the cards. 
Right. You know, that was interesting because I'm sorry, Dale. I mean, but just with the Steelers, you know, fight with the fighting Saturdays, as we call them, the, the Colts, um, the Steelers had a great first half. They scored, what, 16, 17 points in the first half. But they had that that swoon in the third quarter when the Colts came out. Dallas Flowers returned to kickoff for 89 yards and set up a touchdown. And before you know it, you're a point down. But here's what I loved about seeing Kenny Pickett. He rallied the guys. You know, they had the three and outs in that third quarter, but he was able to rally the guys with an 11-play, 75-yard drive in the fourth quarter. It says so much about a young man. He got his first come-from-behind fourth quarter victory, and uh, kudos to Kenny Pickett. He is truly the Sundance kid, man. He's better when he moves. Well, you know, that's an excellent point, and it really does say a lot about a young man who's just fighting his way in front of millions of people as a rookie and they're Steelers fans. That is not easy. Uh, so kudos to him. And and I want to say this. I made a big deal at the end here about, you know, fundamental tackling, fundamental blocking. And I want you to see this. And you tell me, is this a lack of fundamentals or is it just inept? <laughs> <laughs> The offensive line, Gert Bowles of the Broncos, trying to go ahead and making the effort for the tackle. Uh, is that a lack of fundamentals, or is that just being inept on the defense? That's a fat guy running out of air. <laughs> what can I say, man? I, you know, I don't know what to say, Soda Pop, other than, oh, my goodness, I missed that. I did not see that. That is bizarre. That was oh. like week three. I've been hanging on this for like eight weeks. Uh, okay. I, I, did okay. Not, I did not want to bring it up. I had so much other material I wanted to get at. But okay. I'll tell you, that, that's just great effort. Well, you guys are the offensive linemen. You guys, what, I mean, what's? I, I have no idea what that's like. Because if I'm going to go ahead and try that, I'm going to at least get the arm full extension. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm going to get a lot closer. Second of all, you know, if if, if if it was no, I no, I can't do it. That's like flopping in soccer. Okay, I mean, it's like somebody snipered him from the upper deck. Okay, you know, and you kind of like, I, I'm sorry, man. We we, we got to. You know uh, I won't even say that. Never mind. Okay, so yeah, just here, let it go. Yeah, I'm just let it go, and I will say that brothers, professional. Once again, loved your calls. Uh, and I want you to think about this, all right, this week. I know you're not going to think too hard about it, but with the USFL coming out and the XFL, what opportunities does this do for young people, not just like Maverick, but for A.J. McCarron, who got drafted? I really want to talk about that next week and where it can go. So think about that. I love you guys. Thank you very much. And that's it for the three Wolves of football. Love you guys. Love Thanks you for guys. watching, folks. Appreciate you. Love you, Hoopy. Yes, Hoop. We love you. <laughs>